Let's pray. Holy God, word made flesh, let us come to this word open to being surprised. Silence our agendas, banish our assumptions, cast out our casual detachment. Confound our expectations, clear the cobwebs from our ears, penetrate the corners of our hearts with this word. We know that you can, we pray that you will, and we wait with great anticipation. Amen. Our New Testament reading can be found in your pew Bibles on page 1071. There you will find Philippians. I'll be reading from chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication With thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. The Old Testament lesson today is the 35th chapter of the book of Isaiah, verses 1 through 10. Before I proceed with reading that Old Testament lesson, just a word of introduction. It was in the 4th century that the observance of the season of Advent actually began. And at that time, it was seen as a preparation for the coming of Jesus at judge, as judge. So it was a very solemn season, one that was penitential. It was actually seen as a shorter Lent, if you will, a time of fasting leading up to that great feast of Christmas. However, then in the Middle Ages, at some point, the passage that Winter has just read from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, was assigned as the reading for the third Sunday of Advent. And you've heard those words now, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. And so that Sunday came to be known as Rejoice Sunday, Joy Sunday, or Gaudete Sunday, which is the Latin for the word rejoice. And it was a kind of a lightning of this penitential mood that prevailed during the entire season of Advent. And then even later on, when the common lectionary was developed, the reading that I will read in just a moment from Isaiah 35 was added as the Old Testament assigned reading for the third Sunday of Advent in the lectionary cycle A, which is today. And it also, as you will hear, and have already heard actually when the candles were lit, is also a song of joy. 
So um, you'll see this sometimes represented um, on the Advent wreath, actually. If you've seen an Advent wreath that has a pink or a rose candle, that's for the third Sunday of Advent. And it signifies kind of this lightening of the mood in this penitential season. And so with that in mind, then, let us listen for God's word for us. Isaiah chapter 35, verses 1 through 10. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp, The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, will go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return. They shall come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness. And sorrow and sighing shall flee away. The word of the Lord Thanks be to God. This is a song of joy, and it even has a musical ring to it, does it not? When reading this poem, one could picture the desert and the dry land gliding across the dance floor, gracefully dancing in one another's arms. And we might imagine the tall, fragrant cedars of Lebanon swaying dreamily, while the fertile fields and the roses and flowers of Sharon hum along to the music. It is a song of joy. However, if we were to expand our reading beyond this single chapter to the chapters that surround it, then we would see that perhaps this is 
a bit out of context. For in the chapters leading up to the 35th chapter, the prophet poet Isaiah has been chastising the people of Israel for their gross unfaithfulness. And he tells them that as a consequence, a foreign nation will come in invading them and taking them captive and sending them into exile. In chapter 24, we read the prophet poet telling the people that they will be held captive like prisoners in a pit. And he goes on to say in that same chapter that Israel, which was once a fertile vineyard, and Judah, which was a pleasant planting, now are like a staggering drunkard. They have fallen down and will never rise again. The language that is used in these chapters leading up to chapter 35 is harsh and desolate. It is language that speaks of despair and death. It is language that is social, political, cosmic even. And it is also language that is intensely personal. Perhaps some of you are familiar with the work of Reynolds Price, and particularly his memoir, Achingly Honest, the memoir entitled A Whole New Life. He writes in the very first line that this book is an account of his midlife collision with cancer and paralysis. Shortly after receiving his diagnosis, he wakes in the middle of the night, and he has written that he stared up at the ceiling, and against his better knowledge, he said, he began pouring over his prospects. And a realistic assessment of his prospects were these. Paralysis. Dependence on another person. Unending pain. An absence of work. And he said he, in the middle of this dark trough, he looked up and addressed what he could only at that point call God and an unceasing bafflement, he said. And he asked the question into the dark, how much more do I have to take? There was a long silence. And then there was a voice. The voice was not male. The voice was not female. The voice was not neutral. 
it was very present and near at hand. And the voice said, More. Reynolds' price at that point had plunged to the very depths. And so it seems had this poet prophet Isaiah. In the midst of the death and despair, he plunges, but then there erupts off the pages. Verse 4, here is your God. Your God will come and save you. In the midst of the despair and death, there was this confession of faith, a song, a song of hope and a song of joy. And so this was the promise that in the midst of this, God's powerful, strong presence is there, working healing. This is how it came about for Reynolds Price. The next morning after this middle-of-the-night experience, he called his sister Marcia, and he asked her to call her pastor at the Methodist Church to come and to bring him communion. It was a clear, hot day. Reynolds Price was alone in his house, sitting in his chair, and the pastor came. The pastor served Reynolds Price communion, and he said, This is my body. It is broken for you. This is my blood. It is shed for you. Do this in memory of me. And Reynolds Price writes that in that slow tasting of that morning, he who had not been to church in many, many years felt what he could only call the strong presence of God. At that moment, he says, it did not matter to him whether or not there was confirmation of his healing or if he would continue to be devastated as he was. But there was no prior tasting, he said, that it meant more to him than this, that he had been given a new chance at a washed and clarified view of life. A washed and clarified view of life. Now that is not what the season that we experience out there generally talks about saying that that is joy. Uh, 
In our culture, there are all kinds of gorgeous tableaus of what joy looks like in this season especially. Joy looks like a holiday ribbon-topped Lexus sitting in your driveway. Joy looks like a diamond bracelet given to you by somebody who had the good sense to go to Jared. (laughs) A washed and clarified view of life may seem a very pale thing to others who look at the sparkly jewels of the season. But for those of us who are given the grace to open our eyes and our hearts and ourselves to the wonders and presence of God, then a washed and clarified life is a gift. It is a gift that enables us to trust that whatever hurts we may bear, however tender our hearts, that God is at work doing God's work of healing. And enabling us, preparing us, and equipping us to walk that highway to Zion that leads to the peace of God, which is everlasting. Amen.